honor to have you here. And um, as many of you know, uh, I you know, rarely, if ever, preach a one-off sermon. In other words, I, I preach and teach in series, and we're in, the, we're in the midst of a series now, but don't feel left out if you weren't here for the other parts of this. But we're talking about the importance of honor, and we sang about honor this morning, and God is an eternal community. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And they exist in absolute communion. And we see that honor um, originated within the Godhead. In other words, before He ever created you and me, the uncreated God, before He ever created you and me, He existed for all of eternity in a system of honor. And so God created us, remember, to be a part of His community. And His community, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, is a community of honor. And it's very important if we're going to participate in and benefit from the eternal community that is God and the family of God is that we become men and women of honor. We see that Satan uh, obviously is opposed to honor in our lives and, and the opposite of honor is, uh, uh, is to be offended, uh, to take offense. And this is why we see so many opportunities on not just a a monthly basis or a weekly basis, on a daily basis. Think of all the opportunities that you have to be offended. Now listen, you know, what you watch on television is between you and God. What you listen to on the radio is between you and God. But be careful of um, all the opportunities on talk radio and and, uh, cable news channels. Amen. Uh, a A lot of that is nothing more than multiple opportunities a day for you to become offended at someone in government, at someone in a, in a state that you don't even live in, or, or so forth and so on, okay? Um, because the devil knows that, you know, the importance of honor, and he also knows that honor and offense can't coexist in the same heart. So Satan tries to work against the honor of God operating in your life by rooting it out of your heart, so to speak, with offense, Right? Now, what we see, some key points that we've covered uh, you know, recently, is that God honors those who honor Him. Now, He loves everybody, but He can only honor those and will only honor those who honor Him. God cannot honor uh, you and me when we are doing dishonorable things. To do so would be to endorse things that um, would you know, destroy us and, and make us miserable. We've also learned that honor is a deliberate and intentional act. In other words, we honor on purpose. You don't accidentally show honor to God, nor do you accidentally show honor uh, to another person. Um, Honor is something that we do on purpose. That means honor is a choice. And, And sometimes it doesn't feel like that. Sometimes, you know, like, well, let me make this next point. We choose to honor and we also choose to be offended. Okay? So remember, offense is the opposite of honor. And when you're in the middle of a potentially offending, offensive situation, it doesn't feel like you have a choice, does it? I mean, it just feels like you got caught up in the moment. Next thing you know, you're popping off your mouth. And, and, um, and yet, you actually had a choice. The Bible says, do not take the offense. doesn't mean an offense won't be offered to you, but you and I, we have a choice to not take or refuse Um, the opportunity presented to us to be offended. So in the same way that um, offense and being offended is a choice, uh, honor is also a choice. 
Now, we said this already. Let me just put it on the screen. Offense and honor cannot exist in the same heart at the same time. And what we also see and and have discovered in our series is that faith will not work in an offended heart. Romans 10 says, with the heart a man or a woman believes. Amen. And so if, if faith works within and from the heart, uh, Satan tries to neutralize our faith uh, by affecting our heart in negative ways. And so we see this over and over again. Um, when Jesus would teach on things like faith or when he would teach on things like prayer, Um, more times than not we see him include in that teaching, either on the front end of it or the back end of it, a teaching on forgiveness. Amen. Uh, On on forgiving one another. And so obviously if we need to forgive someone, it's because that person has somehow offended us or we have taken uh, an offense from them. Now, again, just to try to review some of these things to bring us all up on the same page, in Mark the 6th chapter and in Luke the 4th chapter, we have an account of Jesus returning to his hometown of Nazareth. And the people he grew up with did not honor him, did not honor him the way he was honored in other places that he had already been to minister. We see that as he traveled throughout that region, uh, people received him and honored him and he was able to do amazing things in their lives. But the people that he grew up with did not honor him. And we see that it limited his ability, not his willingness, it limited his ability to work in their lives. This is so, so very important. We cannot hear this or be reminded of this enough. Now, we're not going to turn there this morning, but let me, I'm just trying to go through this quickly again. So, for instance, in Mark chapter 6, verse 3, it says that the people in his hometown of Nazareth were offended at him. And Jesus responded by saying, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country. Or we could say it this way, you know, just reversing what Jesus said, the only place a prophet is dishonored is in his own country. Other places that Jesus went, he was honored. But when he came home, and remember, the the familiarity with him bred contempt. Uh, There was no denying that the hand of God was upon him. When they heard him speak, the Bible says they were astonished. Their breath was taken away at at him. But yet they reasoned in their their minds that he was Mary's son. They reasoned in his mind that he grew up with us. And and all these things we've heard about him, there's no way that, um, that, that it could be true. And so rather than honoring him, they dishonored him. And then the fifth verse of Mark chapter 6 says that Jesus could do no mighty work there. Not that he would not do it, but that he could not do it. So we come to a very important conclusion. God's ability to work in your life is determined by the honor you choose to give him. Now I know that's a strong statement. And again, for those of you who are new to this study, we've been on this for weeks. We've looked at this in so many different places. God's ability. Now God's ability obviously is only limited by his word. But I'm not talking about his uh, you know, overall uh, ability. I'm talking about specifically his ability to work in my life or his ability to work in your life is determined by the honor or the place of honor that I choose to give him in my life. The priority would be another way of, of honoring God. And of course, we, we're probably not going to get there this morning, but one of the things that we see in the examples that Jesus pointed to was a widow who put God first 
she made him a cake first, right? Not, well, let me take care of myself first, and if there's anything left, I'll give it to God. No, she gave it to him first. You see the difference in, in honor there, okay? So God's ability to work in your life is determined by the honor you choose to give him. A refusal to honor God on your part or my part literally ties his hands. It makes him unable. And we see this in other places in Scripture, but but most dramatically in Mark the 6th chapter. Jesus could do no mighty work there among those people. Now turn with me to Luke the 4th chapter, Luke chapter 4. And we'll begin in verse 23. Luke 4 and 23. If you're familiar with... Um, what Jesus did when they treated him so poorly and rejected him and, and, and literally said uh, uh, offensive things. Because you, you realize that when, <laughs> you know, offended people offend. Do you understand what I mean by that? When someone becomes offended, next thing you know, we start saying offensive things to other people. And so they became offended at Jesus, and when they became offended at Jesus, they began to offer Jesus opportunities to be offended back at them. Thankfully, he didn't take those opportunities. Thankfully, Jesus did not choose to be offended at the people in Nazareth, but instead, he chose to continue to honor them, to continue to show them honor by remaining in that area for some time. And the Bible says that he went from village to village teaching them in a circuit, literally in, in, a, in a pattern. He went from, from place to place, smaller crowds, smaller venues, um, but because the problem was unbelief due to a lack of honor, we can draw from Scripture, but also it only makes sense that these were the, the things that Jesus was addressing in their lives. Let me, let me try to say this another way, and let's make it personal, Okay. If there's a certain thing in your life that Father God keeps speaking to you about, guess what? <laughs> That's the next thing that you need to deal with. That's the next thing that, that you need to let Him help you work through. Amen. Are you hearing me? Because what we see with God is, remember, we, we tend to be people who want God to do something for us, and He's already done a whole lot for us. But if we're going to get on the same page with God, we've got to realize that God's not just trying to do something for you. He's trying to take you somewhere you can't get to without Him. He, he's, he's, he's saying, take my yoke upon you and let's walk this walk together and, and, and with me I can get you to a place in life that you can never get to by yourself. So God's trying to get you somewhere. And, and in order to get from where we are now to where God has us to, to be and to live, there are some uh, obstacles, amen, that we've got to overcome. Amen. We've got some obstacles, some, some issues that we've got to work through. Amen. And, and so, obviously Jesus... You know, the Bible says in him was, was hidden all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Jesus could have explained to these people what the trumpets were in the book of Revelation before the book of Revelation was ever written. There's all kinds of things that he could have taught them had his father told him, teach these people these things. But what did these people need the most? The, the one roadblock in their lives was a, was a lack of honor. And because they did not have honor, it was causing them to live in unbelief. So... It only makes sense that Jesus would address that, and of course we, we see him already beginning to address it in Luke's version of this story. So let's, let's dive in here in Luke 4 and 23. He said to them, you will surely say this proverb to me, 
Physician, heal yourself. Whatever you have done in Capernaum, do also here in your country. I'm not going to take the time to explain it, but that was a very um, offensive, potentially offensive uh, thing for them to say. This, this, this wasn't like them being polite or educated. This was a low blow. I mean, they, they, were, they were taking shots. You understand what I'm saying here? They were taking shots at Jesus. Then he said, Assuredly, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heaven was shut up three years and six months. And there was a great famine throughout all the land. But to none of them was Elijah sent except to Zarephath in the region of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet. And none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. So all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath and rose up and thrust him out of the city. And they led him to the brow of the hill on which the city was built that they might throw him down over the cliff I think he had a nerve what do y'all think then passing through the midst of them he went his way I I try to explain it this way okay and and I have been delivered from nail biting okay Um, but as as a younger person I uh, I tended to bite my nails and and um and that piece of skin on the side come on now see those of you who don't know anything about that don't 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 try it okay all right um but as as long as that skin is dead as long as that fingernail is dead you can chew on it all day but if you ever get to the quick part also known as the live part the part that's alive right now that's sensitive isn't it see that's sensitive and so clearly you know jesus hit a part that was still alive in them that needed to die the offense that was in them, the, the attitude that was in them, uh, he spoke the truth to them and he spoke it to them in love. Now what he's doing here, if, if you don't know exactly what's going on, Jesus is talking about the prophet Elijah and the only widow that was willing to honor him was not in Israel. Elijah was Israel's prophet. Well, he was God's prophet to Israel. But no one in Israel had any honor for Elijah, his, his own country. But it was a non-Jewish woman in Sidon that God found who would honor him. And she was the one that Elijah was sent to to help. Do you see how honor determined God's ability? It wasn't that God didn't want to help the widows in Israel. He did. But it was this one widow who was willing to honor God that God was able to help. And then Naaman also, he was not an Israelite. He, he, he was a Syrian uh, an enemy, if you will, of, of God's people. Um, but what we see, of course, is that this was the one man who was willing to listen to the prophet Elisha and do what he said. He, and if you know the story, we haven't got to, to Naaman yet. We're going to in the, in, the, in the coming weeks. But what we see with Naaman is that he was offended at first. He, didn't, he honored the prophet in the sense that he brought gifts for him and he traveled a long way to, to, to allow the prophet to do something for him. But when the prophet told him something very simple to do, uh, he, he, he was offended at it. I mean, just stomped off mad. But thankfully, he had someone, a servant traveling with him, and he, and he says, Sir, if he'd asked you to do something hard, you would have done that. See, he thought the answer was way too simple. But now I'm offering to you, watch this now, I'm offering to you that we've got to act on the Word of God. And in order to act on the Word of God effectively, we do it by faith. But remember now... Um, if we don't have honor in our hearts, 
Jesus said that the problem in Nazareth was, dis, was unbelief, but it was unbelief due to dishonor. Are you, oh, praise God, see, we've covered all this. I'm trying to... He says in another place to the religious leaders, he says, how can you believe if you would rather receive honor from men instead of seeking the honor that comes only from God? So it's, it's, it's easy to say that, you know, well, it was faith. And yes, it, it absolutely was faith, but there was no magic in the water that he dipped in. It was choosing to humble himself and honor God by honoring God's prophet and doing the simple thing that God's prophet asked him to do. That was what released the miracle, or we could say it another way, enabled God to work in his life. Now, let's, there's a couple of different places we can go from here. I'm going to try to cover at least two of them in the time that we have remaining, okay? So can you, can you hang in here? You got a few more minutes? Everybody good? Yeah? Are you, are you interested in honor? I know that this has uh, been something the Lord's really been breathing on for us here of late, and I, and I, want, to, I want to make sure that we, we get this and, and get it clearly. Um, Jesus' statements about the widow and about Naaman the Syrian were not low blows. It was not him striking back in anger to wound them more deeply than they wounded him. He loved these people enough. Come on now, aren't you glad God loves us enough? He loved these people enough to try and help them see where they were wrong and, and, and how their, their error was causing them to miss out. God doesn't want you to miss out. Have you figured this out by now? God wants you to get in on everything He has you to get in on. He wants you to benefit from everything that He's bought and paid for on your behalf. So He speaks the truth to us in love. Jesus wasn't mad at these people. He wasn't, oh, you're going to hurt me? Watch this. I'm going to strike back. Listen, Jesus was brilliant enough and, 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 and intelligent enough, like a lot of you. Come on now. A lot of you are very intelligent. I don't, I don't, I don't, just hear me please, okay? I'm a wordsmith. Words are, you know, sometimes, you know, my family will say something like, uh, man, you didn't, you, you didn't, I didn't understand that. You didn't, you didn't make that clear. It's a joke. Please hear me. It's a joke. Okay. I'll say to them, look, there's no way I communicate for a living. Are you kidding me? I, I, there's no way I wasn't clear about that. So, so, um, you, you know, and so you know, there are times when, you know, my ability to use the English language and stuff starts forming in my head really clever and and rude and cutting things i don't think bad i'm just telling you i you know the thought dies you know if you don't speak it amen and so jesus obviously you know no one ever spoke like he spoke i mean if he wanted to hurt these people with words he could have skewered them it's not what he's trying to do he's not trying to 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 hurt them or wound them he's trying to help them but sometimes the truth hurts right and boy he definitely hit a nerve but now remember the context of this is that there was no honor and because there was no honor uh, for Elijah in Israel during the famine the point what did Jesus say let me get back to it Jesus said, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country. And he gave them two examples of what he was talking about. Elijah during the famine and Elisha uh, in Israel when Naaman was healed. Now, 
it's, it's very easy, and I'm sure this is where a lot of those people were, and so st- stay with me. We've got, we may not get much further than this, but this is, <clears throat> Lord really spoke, dealt with me this morning about spending a little time on this part, okay? So let's spend this time together. All right. <clears throat> One of the things that made the people so angry is they were certainly familiar with this woman who, you know, was in their Bible, was in the Old Testament, you know. And so they had studied about this and they had read about this, but this was one of those things that they just chalked up to the, the wrong idea, right? But nonetheless, they chalked it up to this idea that, you know, you just never know who God's going to help and you, you never know what God's going to do. And sometimes God does and sometimes God doesn't. And, you know, it's, it's this mysterious will of God and, and, uh, and only God knows why he chose to help this woman and, and, and so many other people suffering and, and starving to death. And, and it's just the mysterious ways of God. And, and um, you know, we, we don't have to like it, but we just have to realize that, you know, for some, whatever reason God chose this woman um, and didn't choose any of the, of the widows in, in Israel and, and it's just one of those uh, mysteries that we'll never know the answer to. And, and this was kind of how uh, the people looked at that. It's how a lot of people in our world today uh, who believe in God, but they look at, you know, different things as just the mysterious random acts of God, unpredictable God, uh, who can know God, you know, who will ever know what God's going to do. Sometimes God does, sometimes God doesn't. It's just God, and if you want to be with God, you just got to deal with that's how he is. And, that, and so notice now, they were offended for a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons they became so offended at Jesus is Jesus said, look, there's nothing random about that situation. That widow was, was saved and was ministered to by God because that widow honored God when no other widow would. See, now he just knocked the excuses out of their hands. Now, I'm here to do it gently and lovingly and speak the truth in love, okay? But one of my jobs is to pry every last excuse out of your hands, right? Because let me tell you what excuses are. They're lies in disguise. That's all an excuse is. It's a lie in disguise, and, and, and what do lies do? Lies keep us bound. Lies keep us in bondage. If the truth is what makes us free, then believing something that's not true is what keeps us in bondage. And we're breaking free. Come on now, we're coming out of all that, right? We're coming out of the bondage. Well, you can't come out of the bondage holding on to the lies. And there's some lies. We know they're lies. We just believe them because they're convenient, but we know they're lies. But then there's other things that we literally think. You know, we just never know. And hopefully, you know, you know the, the God lottery, I'll, I'll, I'll hit it one day and he'll do something for me. And it's just this whole random thing, right? But now Jesus says, no, no, that was not random. A prophet is not without honor in his own country. No one in Israel would honor Elijah, and no one in Israel, uh, you know, during the famine would honor Elijah, and no one in Israel uh, during the time Naaman was healed. There were a lot of lepers in Israel, died with leprosy. A lot of widows in Israel died of starvation. Not because God just randomly rolled some dice and, and, and her address came up in the numbers. God didn't just open a phone book and go, okay, that woman. No, he's saying that there was something about her that enabled God to help her that was glaringly absent from all the others, and that was what prevented God 
from helping them. Is that not the context of this? Jesus came to Nazareth, sleeves rolled up. Jesus came to Nazareth to get busy and do the mighty works of God among his own hometown people. But he couldn't do it. Could not. Not would not. Could not do it because of their refusal to honor him and honor God by honoring him. You still with me? So, the devil and the religious minds he controls would have you believe that God is random and unpredictable when he is anything but. And see, for some of you, you're like, oh, whoa, whoa. hold on a second, Pastor Mark. You, you, you had me till now, but I, that just don't make sense to me. Well, just hang in here for a minute. This is one of the verses the Holy Spirit um, impressed upon me to, to show you this morning. It's Psalm... 103 verse 7. If you're not familiar with this verse, man, you need to become familiar with it. And it says this, God, he, God, made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. Now, God saw what God did, I'm sorry, Moses saw what God did the same, the same way that all the other people that God brought out of Egypt, you know, saw what God did. But Moses saw it differently because he understood the ways of God in addition to the actions of God. Are you seeing this? If you're just sitting back looking at the actions of God and have no idea about the ways of God, then you're going to draw from that an impression that God is random and that God is unpredictable and you never know what God's going to do. But if you know and understand the ways of God, then you realize that what God does is according to a pattern and it is predictable. Anyone who says you never know what to expect from God is someone who only knows his actions and is still clueless when it comes to his ways. Are you ready for this? This will help you right here. Let me change your life. God always acts according to his ways. And so that is what makes him predictable. Now, when we say unpredictable... Obviously, you can make an argument. If we're going to have a, a debate this morning, uh, then you could make a pretty good case, uh, you know, using examples of God's, uh, you know, unpredictability. But hear me out now. I don't even like using that word, but this, this is what I want you to see, okay? The channel he uses may surprise you, but the source is always the same. Are you following what I'm saying? In, in other words, the Lord told Brother Copeland this early, many, many years ago. He said, I've got at least a hundred ways to make you a millionaire and you can't think of one. <laughs> See, so when we say unpredictable, I don't like that. I don't, I, don't, I don't even like associating unpredictable with God because God is, uh, he operates according to his ways, according to his word, all right? But if there is an unpredictability about him, it's that you can never predict how far above your expectations he's going to go. Amen. Or how many different ways he has to produce the same result in your life. And I don't know about you, but I like to keep things fresh. Are you saying, you know what I'm saying? I mean, God keeps it fresh, man. I mean, he can send a, he can, 
He can send a, a bird with food in its mouth to you. He can send a fish with gold in its mouth for you. You can wake up one day and everything you need laying out in your front yard. All of these are ways that God has met his people's needs. Am I right about this? Okay. But still, many channels, many channels, but one source. God's the source of every bit of that. No matter how complex the problem or past understanding the supernatural solution may be, God has established simple, doable, and predictable ways for us to connect with Him and receive from Him. Am I right about this? Let me, let me, let me give you, first of all, um, a master key to all of this is honor. All of God's ways involve honor. Okay? But here is, and, I, and look, there's other things involved, but they, they all basically come back to, to this one thing. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. You'll have lunch today because of a predictable pattern of planting seed, harvesting fruit, and it making its way to uh, a, a table or... Uh, a can or whatever, amen, for you to open and eat. Are you seeing this? Who established seed time and harvest? God did. It's a pattern. It's a pattern that's based upon a 200 million mile wide um, uh, clock known as our solar system, or at least the Earth's orbit around the sun. Solar system's even much bigger than that. Are you still with me? So no matter how complex the problem or past understanding the supernatural solution may be, God has established simple, doable, and predictable ways for us to connect with Him and receive from Him. (laughs) I'm just telling you straight up, that's good news right there. That's good news right there. So, well, Pastor Mark, you know, I just don't know what I'm going to do about this. I don't know what I'm going to do about that. I don't know how this is ever going to, you know, work out. I don't, you don't have to know how it's going to work out. You just got to know what God has said about it. And, and, and you got to be willing to honor him by putting his uh, opinions and his ways above your opinions and your ways and do what he says for you to do and trust him. And then, and then see, you just enabled him to work on your behalf. Now, Calling this, uh, this part and this, this portion of our series is, is entitled case, Honor a Case Study. Okay? And these are the two cases that Jesus pointed out. He pointed out this, this widow and he pointed out Naaman. And how many of you believe if, if Jesus thought it important enough to teach people about these two situations, then we ought to look into them for ourselves. So in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 9... We see that God speaks to Elijah. He says, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose, went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, indeed a widow was there gathering sticks, and he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. She's fixing to make her last cake. And then they're going to die. 
And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first. Wow. And bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and he and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. Man. So God's provision in this situation, it came from God, but it came through a door of honor. Now, He says in verse 9, okay, strong word, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. Commanded. The literal translation is, I have ordered her to provide for you. Nothing reveals honor or a lack of it better than our response to a command from God. Honor does not turn a command into a request, suggestion, or option to be considered. Doing what God commands is the best thing you can do for Him because it is the best thing you can do for yourself. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 5, please. 1 John chapter 5. And if, if you haven't marked these verses in your Bible, I would encourage you to mark them. 1 John chapter 5. And we'll look at verse, well. Let's begin at verse number 3. 1 John chapter 5 verse 3 says, For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome. That's important right there. We talk a lot around here about renewing our minds. We need to renew our minds to this truth right here. For too long, we have viewed God's commands as burdens to bear. His commands are not burdensome. Now, the context of this, and I'll state it for those who already are ahead of me in in your minds, the context here is what we see from Jesus as being the love commands, where we're commanded to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. and then Jesus' command in John 13, 34 is to not just love people as you love yourself, but to love others as He's loved us. Now what we see is that in these love commands, or the fulfillment, or the obedience of these love commands, Jesus said, on these two, hang all the law and the prophets. In other words, uh, if, if you really show love to your neighbor, you're not going to be lying to him, or uh, stealing from him, or sleeping with his wife, or whatever. But love is the ultimate fulfillment of all of God's commands. But he says his commandments 
are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? feel some of you slipping away. Can you hang in here for a couple more minutes? Amen. Still with me? Yeah? All right. How do you view a command from God? A burdensome obligation or a joyous opportunity? Now, at the end of last Sunday's message, I gave you a list of seven things. We call these things the seven needed perspectives on God's commands. I want to go through those one more time. Amen. Seven needed perspectives on God's commands. Number one, all of God's commands are opportunities to live on a higher level. That's why it's not burdensome. What did Jesus say? He said, my yoke is really heavy and my, and my burden will just weigh you down and drag you down in life, but you've got to bear it anyway. Is that what he said? No, he said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. All of God's commands are opportunities to live on a higher level. Number two, all of God's commands are invitations to trust Him for a better life. All of God's commands are a summons to do things His way. This keeps popping up in my, in my heart. I, it may not be for everybody, but it's definitely for somebody. Okay, Somebody's pulling this out of me. If we go all the way back to the Garden of Eden, that, if, in other words, if we want to break down the mistake that Eve and Adam made, and their mistakes were slightly different. The Bible's very clear that Eve chose the fruit over God, but Adam chose Eve over God. It wasn't about the fruit for Adam. It was about Eve for Adam. Okay, and men have been choosing women over God just about ever since, so we've got to watch that, guys. Amen. But what we see is, is at the heart of all of that, and there's a lot to learn from that original sin, that first sin, is, is that at the heart of it, they basically said, we're going to do it our way, God, instead of yours. God made it very clear what, what his way for them, his way to prosperity, his way to promotion, his way to protection, his way to provision, his way to peace. God's path to everything that God had for them, um, you know, was according to his way of doing it. And they, in essence, said, look, God, you know, we understand what you're saying, but we want to do it our way. And so they went their own way. All of God's commands are a summons to do things his way. And we could say the opposite of that, right? Is any uh, choice on our part to ignore or disobey one of his commands, right, is an invitation from the, from the devil to do things our way. All of God's commands are doorways to victory. We saw that here in, in 1 John 5. All of God's commands lead, lead to his generous provision and divine protection. All of God's commands contain hidden benefits that are only revealed through obeying. Come on now. Am I the only one that's ever discovered some of those hidden benefits? Like, man, I didn't, I didn't know this was what was going to be at the end of this tunnel. I'll tell you one way you know that is like when you go, why did I not do this a long time ago? You know what I'm saying? It's like, what took you so long, man? All right? And then number seven, all of God's commands are backed by his unlimited power and resources. So, God was smiling on this widow when he commanded her to provide for his prophet. He wasn't trying to put some weight or burden on her, you know, this, this um, unfair 
Do you think about it for a minute all the opportunities she had to be offended at this? Right? Are you kidding me, God? I can't even care for my son. Me and my son about to die, and you and you want me to make food for some prophet in Israel? What? I, no, God, I'm not doing that. Have you lost your mind? In other words, all the opportunities, and then. <laughs> Think about this one, okay? Make me a cake first. I mean, does that not just does that not just cause the who do you think you are words to form in your mouth? All these opportunities that, that she had to be offended. But notice now she was leaning into honor here. And she recognized that God was smiling on her when he commanded her to provide for his prophet. A lack of honor will cause you to be offended by and miss out on an opportunity you should otherwise rejoice over. You should otherwise rejoice over. Now, I'm not going to have time to get into all of this, but I'll tell you where we're going from here. Is we're going to talk about giving and receiving. Because if, 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 Honor is to be in our lives. Let me, let me show you this verse right here, okay? Um, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your possessions. Come on now. And with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Do you see in this verse an opportunity to live on a higher level? Do you see in this verse an invitation to trust God for a better life? Do you see in this verse a summons to do things His way? God's way is to honor Him first with everything that He gives to us. Do you see in this verse a doorway to victory, a doorway to increase? Do you see in this verse um, God trying to lead you to His generous provision and divine protection? Do you see in these two verses, Proverbs, um, the ones that are, that are on the screen, 3, 9, and 10. That's the ones I'm talking about if I, if I wasn't clear on that, okay? Do, do you see in these verses the hidden benefits that are only revealed through obeying? And you see in these verses commands that are backed by God's unlimited power and resources. He says, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. And learn to live on less. Is that what it says? And learn to get by with less than you've been... Uh, eating and feeding to your children. Is that, is that God's heart and motive behind this? Is He saying, honor me with the first fruits of all your increase and tighten up the budget? See, that's how we hear this. We, because we think the commands of God are, 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 are these you know, obligations, these, you know, these uh, uh, you know, burdens, and, and, and oh, how can we ever do it? But you know, we don't want to go to hell, we want to go to heaven, and we've got a big Christian family, and so... Man, maybe we can try to scrape together something for God every now and then and maybe He'll be set. No, see, that's not what God's saying. He's not saying, honor me with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase 
and, and, and so that you, know, you can learn to live on less and, 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 and be holy because you're poor. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, do this so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. The King James Version of this literally is honor the Lord with thy substance. Substance, okay? Can I tell you what that means? That means honor requires something of substance. So God commanded this woman to provide for his prophet. She could have said, listen, Elijah, you're not getting... You're not getting my boy's food, okay? Just go ahead and get that nailed down, all right? I've been praying for you, and I'm going to keep on praying for you. Uh, you know, listen, we're in this together, all right? You obviously don't have any flour and meal and, and oil to make you a cake, but I'm praying that God's going to, you know, somehow get some oil and, and, and cake and meal to you. Um, but you're not, get, you're not getting any of mine, so let's just go and get that nailed down. You know, if you're welcome to sleep out in the backyard... You know, you find you some hay out in my barn, whatever, make do. Um, but see, none of that would have been honoring. When it, when it, when it came to really honoring God, it, it required something of her substance. Do you see this? It's, in other words, it, it's, a lot of people talk a, a good honor game. But true honor requires something of substance. Stand with me this morning. Honor God with your cakes and your next cake will never be your last cake. Come on now. Honor God with your cakes and your next cake will never be your last cake. Now if we had another hour, this is where we would go from here. God gave her the opportunity to turn her last cake into seed. Notice now, honor, I don't know, I don't know this woman's story. I, I can't tell you for sure that she honored God with the oil and the meal that were in that barrel when it was brand new. I don't know if she honored God with the first fruits of that increase, but we do know that she honored Him with the last of it. If we'll learn to honor him with the first of it, <laughs> we won't ever come to the last of it. Right? When my mom and dad taught me and my brother and sister about tithing, my dad said something. I can close my eyes and hear him say it. He said, son, listen to me. You want 90% blessed by God instead of 100% cursed. Right? You would much rather have 90% of your increase with the blessing of God upon it then keep it all for yourself without the blessing of God on it. 90% blessed is better than 200% not blessed. Amen? Amen. God gave her the opportunity to turn her last cake in to seed. Amen. Let's pray. Father, as we stand before you this morning, Lord, I, I know that um, you are speaking to these, your people, these your precious, precious people, Father, that you love, that you have such desire, Lord, in your heart for us, desire for good things, Father, desire for hope and a future, Father, that we would prosper and be in health even as our souls prosper, Lord. 
Father, that, that we would uh, walk in the uh, goodness and the abundant life, Lord, that Jesus paid such a high price to give uh, to each of us. And Father, I thank you this morning that, that you are helping us see the very important and powerful connection between honor and faith and faith and walking in by faith, Lord, all the good things that you have given to us and provided for us. Lord, I thank you that you are not a random and unpredictable uh, God that can't be trusted. But Father, we are learning and being brought to the understanding by your Holy Spirit and your Holy Word, being brought to the understanding of your ways, Father. Lord, your acts, apart from understanding your ways, can certainly seem random and unpredictable. But Father, I thank you that you're showing us how and why you do what you do. You want us to know these things, Father. You want us to understand these things. And so, Father, as we stand before you this morning, we ask that you give to each one of us a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. The eyes of our understanding being enlightened, that we may know what is the hope, the expectation, Father, the hope, the expectation of of you calling us, Father, what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in us, and what is the exceeding greatness of your power directed towards us, Father. Lord, I thank you for what Jesus did for us when you raised him from the dead. And Father, I thank you that you seated him and you seated us together with him far above all principality, power, might, and dominion. And Lord, that you've given him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Father, thank you that we are the fullness of Jesus in the earth. Lord, that this is our identity and this is our assignment. And Father, I thank you this morning for the effort that's represented both present in this room and those who are joining in together with us online. Father, an effort, Lord, that's more than some religious duty, more than some, um, something that we do to, to be recognized by others. But Father, it's an effort to obey you and to humble ourselves before you and to be taught by you, to be led by your Holy Spirit into the truth that you have for our lives, Father. And I thank you that your truth is renewing our minds, it's setting us free, and it's transforming our lives. We declare this to be so in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. Hug somebody's neck, shake somebody's hand, tell somebody around you good things coming. We love you. Thank you for being here this morning. You have a great week. I'll see some of you in the morning, some of you Tuesday, some of you Wednesday. Good things coming.